Hello and welcome to Productivity, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs, writer and mostly sensible habit maker. This week's episode inspiration comes from Emily. Here's what she had to say. Hi, Carly. I'm Emily and I have a question for you. It's a question I've been mulling over for months with no answer and I'm wondering if other listeners might have a version of the same question. Here goes. How do you go about making plans, making certain plans in this uncertain, everything up in the air, COVID-19 world that we find ourselves living in? How can you find that little bit of certainty in this upside down world? I would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you for taking this question and thank you for your time. So that's a doozy of an episode theme, right? Just to add some weight to this equation and in the interest of full transparency, I have coped quite badly and continue to cope quite badly with this pandemic. I'm certainly not a special unicorn. No one is themselves right now. But a big part of what I perceive as my societal worth is competence. I like being the person who has their shit together. And this pandemic has totally stripped me of that. I'm not for one moment (laughs) suggesting that that's a healthy existence. But up until this point, pinning my self-worth on productivity hadn't ever been an issue because I could just go about being productive and getting my gold stars. So you can imagine that I'm not having a great time of it. I just think it's really important to be transparent about where I'm at when I'm putting together resources like this. Usually I like to speak from scars, not wounds. I like to let the dust settle on traumatic experiences before I talk about them publicly, but this is so huge and it involves everyone. It's just difficult and a bit weird to not be talking about it. So that's where I'm at with that. So the main problem we're all having at the moment is that everything is so uncertain. I've had my fair share of plans go belly up over the last year and I've got a few strategies that have really helped. But before we jump into tips, I just wanted to talk about an article that got published on Medium in August 2020 by Tara Hale called Your Surge Capacity is Depleted and That's Why You Feel Awful. So this article went viral and it got 35,000 claps on Medium, which is huge. Side note on the whole claps on Medium thing. So I always feel like the clap system on Medium is hilarious. So if you've ever been on Medium, their likes system, like what you have on Facebook when you like something, they're called claps. And there's this little applause emoji that they use. So when you want to like an article, you clap for it. But every time I see someone writing claps, it sounds like the clap, which is slang for gonorrhea. And it always makes me laugh because if you get a lot of claps on Medium, then you've gone viral like venereal disease. So every time I see that, I just have a bit of a laugh because you've literally gone viral. Love it. I digress. This article outlines why we all feel like garbage. So Anne Marston, who is a psychologist and a professor of child development at the University of Minnesota, she kind of coined the term surge capacity. So surge capacity is a collection of adaptive systems, both mental and physical, that humans draw on for short-term survival in acutely stressful situations such as natural disasters, for example. So this surge capacity gives us a very short-term burst of energy so we can save ourselves in the event of a flood, plane crash, or earthquake. 
The problem we're facing in the last year and continue to face this year, unfortunately, is that our bodies keep engaging our surge capacity to deal with the pandemic, not realizing that this response is completely inappropriate for ongoing, highly stressful situations. The way our bodies are dealing with the pandemic is similar to how we would respond to a plane crash. The difference is, is that It lasts for two years rather than a few hours like most other disasters. And we can't start our recovery yet until we can work and travel and plan big events, visit our loved ones in nursing homes and maybe have some semblance of job security again. We can't actually begin to recover because it's not over yet. So instead of moving into our next phase, our bodies keep hitting the reset button on the surge capacity. So we keep surging and surging and surging. And this is why we all feel like garbage. And another point to consider is loss and the ambiguity of what we've lost. So most of us are experiencing the heavy loss of possibility, travel, experiences, career growth, family growth. And that's not something the global consciousness has experienced since the Second World War. I'm certainly not going to compare this pandemic to a war, although the COVID death toll has officially surpassed the World War II death toll for US citizens, I think, in the last week, which is horrifying. And even though during world wars, when everything was rationed and millions of loved ones were lost, those who were left at home could carry on their lives almost as normal. One of my friend's grandmothers told me recently that during war times, you could always go and have a cup of tea with a friend and forget about what was happening. But the isolation of the pandemic is so unusual and tedious. It's exhausting and like nothing we've really ever experienced before. I also say this from Australia. This is a country that's worked extremely hard to have some semblance of freedom. I'm also from Victoria and that was the hard lockdown state. So for most of last year, we were locked down while the rest of the country enjoyed almost full freedom within their own states. The pandemic in Australia really separated Victorians from Australians and separated Melbournians from Victorians. So no Australian will ever fully understand what it felt like to be in Victoria last year and no Victorian will ever fully understand what it felt like to be in Melbourne. I've never felt any particular state pride before, but I do feel very Victorian for the first time in my life, despite the fact that I've lived in this state for over a decade. The pandemic has changed everything, especially our future plans. There's been conflicting reports about this, but for an example, many families have either opted out or opted into having babies during the pandemic. And it also depends on what country you're in. Some people have opted out because they're scared and others have opted in because, well, what else is there to do? Our lives are on hold anyway. You might as well have a baby. At one point in Australia in 2020, I can remember seeing that IVF treatments were being paused until we got the virus under control because it wasn't deemed a necessary use of public health services at the time. And I mean, really have a think about it. When in the history of IVF existing has the service ever been paused? And can you imagine the heartbreak of couples who are probably already on the edge and struggling with fertility, having to pause their IVF treatments. It's just this teeny tiny example of the incredibly distressing stuff we're dealing with and have been dealing with for the past year. Whole industries are on the verge of collapse. At the time of recording, 2.16 million people have died from this. So on that cheery note, it's important to acknowledge that, you know, the world has been turned on its head. And while most of the pandemic has been horror film level awful, there have actually been some really good things that have come out of it. 
People have abandoned business ideas, started new businesses. I'm not sure what's happening in the rest of the world, but people are leaving cities in droves and country towns are experiencing massive property booms here in Australia. Most countries accidentally reduced their carbon emissions by at least 20% in 2020, which is fantastic. The point is everything is up in the air. Employment's unstable. Most of the world is experiencing deadly second or third waves. Vaccines are being rolled out, but we don't know how long it will be before that's globally effective. So how is everyone feeling about the uncertainty? This week's friend guest is actually my cousin, Alice. I've known her, obviously, for as long as she's been alive. I'm three years older than her. And we both grew up in the same city. Our mothers are sisters. Alice is a marvelous human. And after the shit show that was 2021, drinking Prosecco with her on Christmas Day was the highlight of my year. And I mean, I do that every Christmas Day. I drink Prosecco with her, usually while we're laughing at our mothers, but the threat of that being taken away last year made that moment all the sweeter. So here is my wonderful cousin Alice on making certain plans in an uncertain future. So one of the reasons why I'm having you on the show today, uh, look, I'm going to let you tell the story. So the the theme of this episode is making certain plans in an uncertain world. And you made some very certain plans last year. Why don't you tell us what happened? So I have a four-year-old son, as you know, lovely Ezra, and I wanted to have another child. Um, and I, my husband works in um, an industry that is very unreliable um, and he had had multiple redundancies over a period of a few years and so having a baby just kept putting back and putting back until we could find the perfect time. Uh, My job was really steady though and he finally got a job and I was working in an industry that was really reliable and secure, the airline industry. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It was doing really well. I'd been in my job for eight years and everything was looking good. He finally had a job again And we thought in January of last year, let's do this. And so we got pregnant and uh, before I could even tell my colleagues that I was pregnant, I was stood down. I was at home. We were locked in a two-bedroom apartment with a four-year-old boy while I attended my medical appointments completely on my own, didn't know if he'd be able to be there, Uh, had to decide where if we if we left Melbourne and came to Canberra to try and do it here where you could so that I wouldn't be alone for the birth and I could have help with it was just absolute madness and then a month before my maternity leave was supposed to start I got made redundant and uh yeah we just had a year of lockdown and trying to look after my son and plan if we'd move and when I'd get a job or if I'd go back to uni I was just absolutely mayhem I thought you would be an excellent guest to have on the show simply because it was just like one thing after another. It's like airline industry, bang. Uh, Living in Melbourne as well with the extra lockdown, bang. Writing childcare as well was another thing that happened. So what was it like? So in, in our family, just for the listeners out there, we are planners, the women in our family, most of us. So being, being the epic planner that you are, and I'm also very similar, how, how did you deal with that not being able to pause or postpone any of this stuff in the pandemic and not even really being able to plan, particularly with the birth, because I know that things change yeah. constantly and 
Melbourne went back into hard lockdown and you weren't sure if your mum was going to be able to come to Melbourne at all and if she could, how is she going to yeah. get back? And like, it was even things like who would look after my son and could someone legally look after my son when I went into hospital for four, four or five days? Because at that time you couldn't even have someone else like with your, like you couldn't babysit each other each other's kids, like it was not allowed. So that was really tough. At the same time, I was actually trying to finish my celebrancy course and I got right Did up. Did you finish it? So I got right up to the point where you um, have to perform, I have to film a whole lot of fake ceremonies just as lockdown started and I couldn't have the guests over to legally complete it. So the moment lockdown ended and my, I'm marrying some friends in a few weeks, the moment lockdown ended, I had to, with a baby on my hip, film all these <laughs> ceremonies. It's just ridiculous. So I was trying, I spent the first half trying really hard to plan, trying to stay in control. Um, I did things like having theme nights for my son every Friday where we'd, so we'd try and spend the week um, talking and learning about a new subject or a, a theme and buying things and cooking things and then we'd have these Friday night theme nights and that really was a massive coping mechanism for me. It felt like I was bringing some joy to him um, at a time when, it was actually really hard having a kid in lockdown in the middle of Melbourne. They really got, they all got quite depressed um, and trying to keep him happy and energised and enthused with life was actually very challenging. So that, that was one way that really helped. Um, and I guess for me, that was one thing I could control. So this year, what I learned, I reckon, is um, to control what I can and let go of what I can't. And by the time I had Goldie, I was, okay, well, we're going to go to hospital and maybe you'll be out of stay and maybe you won't. Even as I was in, even as the baby was being pulled out of my stomach, um, if there was a room available that was a private room, my husband was going to be able to stay with me for a few, for five days. If there wasn't a private room available and it was not guaranteed, he was going to have to leave a few hours later and I was going to be in bed having had a cesarean, unable to move with a newborn baby and just wait and see how they handled that. So we didn't know until we were wheeled into the room what rules we'd be faced with. Um, you didn't know even, like, some of the midwives were really flexible and some weren't. So, like, if you were allowed to go down and get food or if you'd have to eat hospital food. Oh, the hospital food was foul. It is very bad. And it's gotten a lot worse because they um, it's all out of one kitchen now, I think, for to be safer, and it was absolutely appalling. Uh, so sometimes I had to eat that because he couldn't leave. My mum couldn't come in and see me. I didn't see my son for five days, but I was okay because I, by that point I had just let go. I just, I really had to learn to let go. And I, that's really hard for a planner to do. And so what I had to learn to do was to hold on tightly to the things I could control and control those for my own mental health and then just completely let go with the others. So I let go of the job thing. I let go of the of thinking about the future stuff. I let go of the intent to have, you know, the perfect nursery and things like that. Like I'm now in a two-bedroom apartment with two kids because I don't have a job. Well, that wasn't part of the plan either, was it? No, no, we were supposed to move to a bigger place, but I I don't have a job. No one is going to rent me a property <laughs> um, and we can't buy right now because it's not a great market to sell our place. Like it's just, yeah, it's so we just... We just embraced it and the things I could control was turning the two-bedroom apartment I have into a place you can have a baby. So I you know, refurbed the bathroom and put a nappy change table bench in and we um, got my son a new bed so that there'd be room in there for a cot when it was time. We just had to work with what we've got. 
So are your kids grateful. sharing a room or, or is Goldie still in with you? Goldie's still in with us, but she's about two centimetres off hitting the top of a bassinet and I don't know how <laughs> I'm going to get a cot small enough to fit in our bedroom. <laughs> so that's the next challenge of things I can control, but what I can control is finding the world's smallest cot. Yes, yes. And that's what I'll be doing next. Um, that's my next mission. That's what I'm just doing, <laughs> driving everything down into bite-sized chunks, right? What's the problem? How can I fix that problem rather than getting overwhelmed with the bigness of the problems? That's like in the movie. Have you seen the movie Martian? No. It's so good. So it's Matt Damon and he's been like left in space and he has to figure out how to survive on, I think it's, it might even be Mars if I'm thinking someone's shouting that it's some other planet at me right now, but it's <laughs> pretty sure it's Mars and he gets trapped there and he has to figure out how to survive there for years while his team come back to get him and has to figure out how to communicate. And the whole movie is based around let's figure out, let's let's see what the problem is and figure out how to work it. And it just shows this like methodical step-by-step. Step. He's like, well, cool. My first problem is water. How am I going to get water? My second problem is food. How am I going to grow food? Yeah. And he has to like figure out, and he had all the manuals and all the stuff. And that's the thing. I think like you had the answers to what your problems were. You just had to yeah one problem. Yeah. I just one. had to, I would lie in bed at night. And when I got anxious, I'd go, right. I'm thinking, how am I going to change her in the middle of the night? Okay, I need a change table. Where can I put a change table? I'm very house proud. My house still needs to look nice. We're party people. I still need to be able to have friends over for a dinner party and then it'll be a nappy change table in the living room. And I figured out that I could put a, I could get an installed bench over where my washing machine was in our laundry bathroom. And then I was like, right, and I can make that look beautiful. I can, I can get a nice wood top to it and I can put shelves above it and then that problem is solved and I've increased the value of my apartment for when I can. And I just allowed myself to celebrate that and to be really proud that I figured that out and then move on to the next problem. And so we kind of just went through it step by step like that. And, yeah, I'm pretty happy with I think we're doing the best that we can. I also think that I really like how you didn't compromise on the things that are important to you. So it wasn't a slapdash solution. You were like, well, no, I actually need this to be functional and beautiful. And I'm not willing to compromise on that because that, I think that's another thing that you have to do for your mental health. It's you, particularly when you're a planner and you are someone who's house proud, those are things that are really important. And those are things that you can control. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I took, I was really grateful and I, I know there's a, there's a toxic gratefulness or a toxic positivity culture, I think, around COVID for some people. And I know that's really damaging to some people's mental health. And so I won't say that it's right for everybody. But for me, it really was a big driver is to be positive and to be grateful for what I've got and to go, right, I've got this time with my son that I will never usually have. You know, I would never have had six months at home with my boy before another baby came along. What can I do to make the most of that? And I've got all this time before the baby comes. What can I do? You know, I spent, I did things like allowing myself time and money to buy three or four perfect dresses on ASOS to, um, so that when the baby was born, I had something that I could feel great in straight away. Well, there's usually as well. Yeah, well, there's usually you have a baby and all of a sudden you're like in milk-stained leggings and feeling really low about yourself and you don't have time to sort that out. So I had this time and I was like, I'm going to take advantage of my time. I'm going to spend weeks at Bunnings buying everything I need to retile my backsplash in my kitchen that's been driving me nuts for five years. So just basically making like... <laughs> 
making lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. And I know that sounds really lame, but it's absolutely what I had to do because I didn't have the chance to get depressed. My husband is an extrovert, very, very extroverted. And he spent the first two months of lockdown wilting like a flower. And so (laughs) I really needed to stay upbeat. My son was missing his friends a lot. I missed my family. I was pregnant and a bit miserable. It was, and it was really hard. And so I actually didn't really, I, I, I was jealous sometimes of people who just lay in it and who just went, Mm. you know what, I've watched a whole season of this and I've done this and I just didn't have, I just didn't have that privilege. Yeah. Well, you can't with kids. That was the thing. Like I think think having a kid during lockdown was both a blessing and a curse because we were so distracted by her and trying to keep her upbeat and using all of our energy to make sure that it was a pleasant experience for her that we actually didn't really have much time to kind of wallow. But now that things are kind of semi back to normal, I kind of feel like I've got a hangover. Do you feel like that? Well, I've gone straight into having a a newborn newborn baby. Goldie was born the day before lockdown lifted in Melbourne. So she was born at like the Wednesday, I think, and lockdown lifted on the Thursday. Mm-hmm. And so we went straight out of that lockdown into that kind of crazy baby lockdown time where you're coping with a newborn. And yeah, so we, life still doesn't feel normal for me because we're still, we're now managing the newborn and the Ezra starts preschool this week. Oh. And and then in a few weeks' time, I need to start looking for a job. So I just feel like I'm go, go, going, but I'm quite sure that when everything does calm down a little bit and things start to feel a little bit more normal, I'm very concerned I'm absolutely going to crash and I reckon I'll be engaging with a psychiatrist or a psychologist, you know, in advance of that because I think that potentially I could have a big fall because I have been running on adrenaline. So one thing that really actually helped me a lot. So Alice did this amazing thing at the beginning of the lockdown. She started a book club for the women in our family. So this is just for the listeners out there. Alice already obviously knows this. Uh, (laughs) She started a book club for the women in our family and our maiden name is Bannerman, but we're all women. So she called it the the Banner Women Book Club. And so we have a Zoom club meeting like once a month and it is just so wonderful and it's our grandmother and her daughters and, and their daughters sister. and her sister yeah and an array of like best friends and wives and partners and things and we're, we're still doing it now and I actually think we're just going to keep on doing it forever because it makes me really happy and I know it makes everyone else yeah really- I think we've all that's the one thing that I've really yeah I've loved that is the one thing I have loved like so we and you know this because you did it as well but I kind of finished off my childhood in Canberra and then moved to Melbourne and left a lot of family behind and our family's all kind of uh, Canberra, Sydney, you know, coast-based and they're very far away and even just not being in Canberra, I miss out on when they have catch-ups and things like that. My family, my sister and her kids come around to my parents' house and have dinner every Tuesday night and I, I don't get to do that. Um, and one thing that I really liked was the was the COVID in some ways seemed to make the world smaller because it didn't matter if someone was right next to you or overseas. If all you could do was Zoom, it was same, same. So, you know, I've got a friend in Paris that I talk to a lot more than I used to because I had that time and she wasn't further away than anybody else anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. We why why didn't we have a you know we we love catching up together so much our family and we're dotted around what five different cities or six different cities, you know we never thought 
to do this. We just would desperately look forward to weddings or 60th birthdays or big occasions. I love that we get to see each other now once a month, catch up. It's heaven. Yes, same. And it's just one of those things that I just really look forward to because, as you said, when one of our cousins was due to get married literally like a month after the country shut down and we hadn't seen anyone for ages leading up to that point. So we were all really looking forward to this wedding, which we hope we'll get to go ahead this year. Fingers crossed, that poor thing. Um, so yeah, it's 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 just been a really nice way to catch up with the people that you love and and in quite an organized way. I actually think that the book club really helps because it gives you a solid thing to tie it to. So it's not just a catch up. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is for some people. Some people come in and they don't read the book, but most of us are reading the book and taking it really quite seriously. What do you think about 2021? And do you think that you're going to be more or less chill about it? considering what happened last year? Honestly, I think that I am going to be a lot more chill. I think that I, I, I know a lot of, it was a really tough year for a lot of people and I, and I respect that. I think 2020 for me was one of the best years of my life in a sense because it shook me and it shook my husband out of some pretty solid patterns that we were in. He was so extroverted that at the beginning of the lockdown, he, I literally said to him, it's very hard for me that I'm not enough for you or we're not enough for you when that's all we can do right now. And he fully acknowledged that we were not enough. By the end of the year, we were absolutely enough. And now he likes to stay home a lot more than he used to and he can he can just be with us and that's huge that's really to, nice to be enough now and it wasn't that we and he's I make, I make him sound like a jerk he's not he's lovely he's just incredibly extroverted you know he's always the last one out he will always take you know if there's a if there's a room at a house and there's different numbers of, numbers of people in every room he's going to be in the room with the most people and the star of it that's just him. <laughs> just for context for the listeners at home, Alice and her husband moved out together at one point in their relationship. They've been together. How long have you guys been together for? Like 17 years or something? Almost 20 years. And I'm 34. Oh, for 20 years. Almost 20 years. <laughs> They've been together for a very long time. But when they first moved out, like as a couple, Tim got so lonely that they had to move back into a share house. Like yes, <laughs> this is the level of extroversion that we're dealing with here. Yeah. So for him to be at home, not having work, not having everything, I was so, I was just, it was awful to start with. Now I cancelled something on Friday and said, I'm going to, I'm staying home after all. And he was, he was upset about it. He wanted some time to himself. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And I really learned to just chill. I learned that I can't control everything and I learned to just control the things I can. And I actually learned um, to say no, which I wasn't great at before either, is everyone just got so overwhelmed. I think everyone learned um, a bit of self-care practice. And some boundaries. And some boundaries. And for me, the, that self-care and that boundaries, like I've discovered cancelling. Yeah, I, I canceling. love cancelling. Like yeah. if I have a plan and it's not going to work for me now, I would never, ever have done this in my life. If I have a plan and, and it's not working out, I can tell that person I can't come anymore and this is why. Mm-hmm. I've never done that in my life. Like I do not say no to people. So that's been really cool. So I think I'm I'm excited to take those skills into, into my future, but we'll see if I don't get a job. We'll see because I, I could very <laughs> easily fall down very good. This is just 
me not having to have a job, but once it's time to get a job, if I have too much trouble, oh, God help us. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm exactly the same. I hate not being employed. It really freaks me out. Yeah, I don't care. I went back to work um, when Ezra was six months old and for the last month I was like, okay, I'm ready. Like this, I need this. I, my, I was a huge same. amount of my identity is tied up in my work. Um, being made redundant after eight years with the one company is very sad, really tough to stomach. Um, but what made me kind of be able to accept that is that I will move on and, and I'll get something new. So if I don't get something new, <laughs> So there's a pretty hardcore example of making certain plans in uncertain times and reframing the way you thought an experience would be. Also making plans around how you might react to something in the future, which is something really positive I took away from my chat with Alice, just knowing who you are and what your responses usually are and using those to predict how you might deal with something that might happen in 2021, because who the hell knows what's going to happen after 2020. So if you are struggling with the uncertainty of it all, here are a few things that have been helping me out over the last year. Have a plan A, B, and see. Last year when the whole of Australia went into lockdown, when it was done, I naively thought we were done. As a Victorian, we were not done, not by a long shot. I made plans in June to have a big birthday blowout in September where all of our mates could come and camp and stay on our property and they'd bring all their kids and it would kind of be like a mini little camping festival just for our friends. And I was really excited about it. That was plan A. When my birthday rocked around three months later, not only was I not allowed to have a party, but I couldn't see anyone. I wasn't even allowed to have a single friend in my home. My plan B was having a few local mates around for some drinks. I wasn't even allowed to do that. Plan C was getting fancy takeaway, wine and ice cream and watching a movie at home with Ben. And it was lovely. It was one birthday and there'll be more. And honestly, there have been several of my birthdays when I've done plan C because that's exactly what I wanted to do. So wasn't that big a deal. Always have a plan A, B, and C, at least for the next few years. And honestly, this can apply to anything. It can apply to your career. So job A might be freelance editing novels. Job B might be working for your old publishing house, editing their reference books. And job C might be copywriting for a supermarket chain that doesn't pay super well, but you can do it from home and the hours are flexible. If you're a planner like me, it can really help to have a visual map of what the future might look like so you aren't deeply disappointed when things go your way. Always have a plan A, B and C. It's important to remember as well that if you're listening to this, you've survived 100% of your most difficult days. So yeah, everything is quite shit right now, but it's shit for everyone, which I find strangely comforting. Like it's not that I want everyone to feel horrible, but I just feel like it's nice to have company. I hope that doesn't make me sound like a jerk. (laughs) I imagine going through such ongoing uncertainty alone would be incredibly isolating. And I know most of us are actually isolated. So there is comfort in knowing a lot of other people are going through the same thing. And particularly when we were in lockdown in Victoria and the rest of Australia wasn't, it felt really awful watching other people living their lives as usual and knowing that they didn't actually really understand what you were going through. So there is some comfort in the fact that a lot of us are all in the same position. And I do find a lot of comfort in knowing that other people are going through similar things that I'm going through. The point is you got this far. You can keep doing this. You may not want to, but you're able to, I promise. 
Another thing that really got me through, particularly during hard lockdowns, particularly during the Victorian hard lockdown, was that I focused really hard on the things that I could control. For example, I can't control the borders in Australia. And at several points and for several months at a time, my parents and my closest friends have been cut off from me. Personally, I found the border closures extremely stressful. I found them more stressful than anything else. Loss of jobs, income, the stress of having a small kid at home, all of that was okay. But the travel bans and border closures have been and continue to be a really big struggle for me. I think it was because it was the most unexpected thing. Like I've lost jobs before. I've taken pay cuts before. I've been stressed about the global economy before. I've worried about loved ones dying before. I never in my life thought that the Australian government would close a state border without warning with most of my support network on the other side of it. I was and continue to be very traumatized by this. The borders closed again around Christmas time and New Year, and that was only a month ago. So it's still very raw for me. I hope I don't sound like I'm being overly dramatic about this, but for some reason, border closures have been my really, really weird thing during the pandemic. I know that might make me sound a bit bananas, but I'm sure everyone's got their own little neuroses that are really bothering them during the pandemic. So rather than focus on the hard border, I redirected my energies to what I could control. I could control my physical health. I didn't drink alcohol during either lockdown. And when my exercise classes closed down, I went for a 45 minute walk every single day without fail. We, like everyone else, also focused on introducing new foods and meals into our lives. We did big, proper, fancy feasts and we made our way through every single Ottolenghi book. Another thing that I could control was my career to some extent. So I lost all my clients last year, all of them, every single one. One of them didn't even tell me I wasn't working for her anymore. She just hired someone else cheaper than me and just kind of let me slide into oblivion, which I actually found really quite cruel considering I've worked for her for years and by not being honest with me, deprived me of the opportunity to look for other work in the middle of a freaking pandemic. And to this day, she still hasn't fired me. She just hasn't given me any work since last August. Pretty smooth, right? So rather than sit around and whinge about it, I hustled. I replaced all the clients I lost. So I'm pretty much back where I was at the beginning of the pandemic. I can't control someone else letting me go. And I can't control someone else letting me go in a not particularly pleasant way. But I'm not going to sit around and cry about it when I could be out there trying to find new clients. Focus on what you can control. Treat yourself like a toddler. So my kid is very very two years old at the moment. And I basically only communicate with her in choices right now. Which shoes do you want to wear? Do you want mum or dad to put you in the car? Do you want one or two books before you go to bed? I have to give her the illusion of control constantly or she just loses her shit. Apply this logic to yourself and control what you can. If that means being in bed at eight o'clock, reading a book every night, do it. A 45 minute walk every day, pop it in the diary. Whatever illusion of control you can give yourself at the moment is going to pay huge dividends on your mental health. Hello, just interrupting this episode super quickly to tell you that I have a goal to get to 500 reviews of productivity by the end of 2021. 
To date, we're at 217 and I would love to double that number. My Kate Sobrano episode was listened to over 5,000 times. So if just 2.5% of the people who listened to that episode left a review, I'd be at my goal today. If you love this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review. Just search for productivity in your podcast app, scroll down and click leave a review. Thank you so much. Also, don't try to plan anything until you have all the information. Firstly, before I pop into this section, as an Australian, I do recognize the unbelievable privilege of being able to safely celebrate Christmas with my family last year when most of the world and indeed most of Australia, not most of Australia, but quite a few Australians were not able to do this because it was still touch and go at that point. In our house, we dealt with this by being truly, truly flexible. So there was an outbreak in Australia shortly before Christmas and we were waiting for it to get worse or for borders to close. This happened a few days before Christmas and we discussed it and came up with a plan. We would not decide whether or not we felt safe to travel until the day we were due to leave. As a planner, that gave me huge heart palpitations. I like to know the exact moment I'm leaving. I want to know what I'm packing in the car. I want to know what car snacks I'm having. I want to have a plan A, B, and C for when our two-year-old completely loses her shit in the car. That's just what I need. I don't get to have that now, and a lot of us don't get to have that now. So being truly, truly flexible – I now believe is a skill that you can learn. It's something I'm still struggling with, but I am getting there. So in a pandemic land, a lot can go wrong in a few days. So we waited until the last minute. Thankfully, things remained under control and we were able to travel safely to and from our destination. Having said that, though, a lot of other people did the same thing. They waited until they had all the information, thought they were safe and got caught on the wrong side of borders and had to isolate for two weeks when they got home. So not only can you not assume anything, and you can wait until you have all the information, but you also have to expect the worst to happen. It's a pandemic and that's just the ride that we're on. True, true flexibility is really the only way to deal with any of this. It's also important to remember that uncertainty isn't necessarily bad. I was reading Forbes magazine and apparently the sales of puzzles and board games have increased by 4,000%. I just think that is so bananas. And imagine all those people that make puzzles and board games who may not have actually been doing very amazing business for the past, say, 30 years since computer games became a thing. And now they just have increased their profits by 4,000%. I just love the idea of puzzling game makers and people who sell the puzzles and games making a lot of money just randomly out of the blue in a year where there's a global pandemic. That just brings me a lot of joy. The burning of fossil fuels has decreased dramatically across the globe. And a lot of us got to spend some extra time with our kids that we wouldn't normally have been able to do. That was a bit of a gift for a lot of us. I don't know if there's any way to prove it, but quite a few political commentators seem to think Trump's non-response to the pandemic cost him the election. And if that's the case, fan-bloody-tastic, in my opinion. Harris Biden was a massive highlight of 2020 for me. I actually wept when they won and I just needed a little bright light in the year. Some things have actually been okay and I think it's really important to acknowledge those things. 
So full disclosure here, these things do work, but they aren't a silver bullet. I've been doing all of these things this year and last year. And some days I still feel like a giant loser because I'm not achieving anything or doing anything. And you know what? That's fine. We don't need perfect solutions to our problems at the moment because our problems are so freaking weird. Those perfect solutions don't exist. Do what you can and don't expect amazing results. Even feeling just a little bit less stressed is an okay outcome right now. It doesn't have to be zero stress, just a little bit less stress. So that's kind of the theme for this week when you're trying to plan certain things in uncertain times. It's not about no stress. It's about less stress. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to Productivity, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs. You can find me on Instagram at carlyjacobs.com. That's carlyjacobs, D-O-T-C-O-M. You can also email me productivity at carlyjacobs.com. You can also record a question for me to answer on the show, just like Emily did at speakpipe.com forward slash productivity. Also, if you love the show, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. Even $5 a month would be a huge help in covering production, editing, equipment, promotion, and guest wrangling. Just visit patreon.com forward slash productivity. Oh, and one more thing, please leave a rating and a review. It's the best way to help other people find the podcast. Until next time, remember, little habits, big life.